Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Joe and Todd here with just one quick note before uh, we get you to your episode. So some of you um, have given us feedback that says, oh, I would really love to give you some money, but I always forget <laughs> because... So many people are telling us this every day. People every saying, day people say, you? I really want to give you money for doing your podcast because I know that you're two uh, guys that are you know trying to support your families and, uh, and, and uh, so... I would love to give you some money, but the problem is that I'm always uh, listening to the podcast when I'm not sitting in front of my desk, uh, able to um, click on the link to go to Patreon. So we have a couple of ideas for you. Idea number one is you could pause this and then wait in agony until you get home and then <laughs> go to our website and uh, click on the support us link and then make a donation on Patreon. Uh, or... You could make a little note uh, on your phone uh, and say, remind me to do this thing when I get home. Uh, pay these guys some money. Um, you can also, uh, if you're really daring, you could just go to the show notes right inside of your podcast app, uh, and it will say, support us on Patreon. And if you tap on that, it will take you to the page. Um, you tap on the little button where it looks like you would tap to give us some money. Um, it says $1 is the... The sort of baseline, you can delete that one dollar and put, you know, you could delete the one and put a five in its place, or you, you could, could stick some zeros after. You could it. just slip Whatever. some zeros right after the one. <laughs> <laughs> really, we're begging for money. We're hoping that we will get tens of dollars each month. <laughs> right, that's our goal to help with some hosting fees uh, and again some some equipment upgrades. And if this happens, we will have some super secret bonus content that only our supporters will know about. <laughs> and we or will at least have access to ha- or have access to. Yeah, we may tease non-supporters with the secret bonus content once we know what it is. But that's teasing like a in like a good-hearted way, not like tease like in a, you know. Yes, yeah. Not we don't want we don't want to tease you. We just want to you know, tease you. So, uh if you feel it in your heart so that you could spare a dollar a month or more, feel free to go to the Patreon uh, page, which you'll find in the links in the show notes, or you can go to uh, protagonistpodcast.com to find out how to do that. So thank you, and enjoy the show. You guys put me on hold. I said a funny joke. So sorry. I said a funny joke. (laughs) Hang on, hang on, hang on. Nobody even heard it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast. I'm Joseph Tarowski, here with Todd Mack, and each week we look at a great character and a great story. This week we are also joined by Alex Robinson. Welcome, Alex. Hey, pleasure to be here. Today we are talking about Princess Leia, or Leia, uh, from the 1977 film, which, depending on your level of nerd penetry, is either called Star Wars, or Star Wars Episode Four or Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Uh, Leia was played by Carrie Fisher, and the film was directed and written by George Lucas. And I think it's worth noting that the film was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. It won for Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Original Score, Best Sound, and Best Visual Effects. And it was nominated but did not win for Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, Best Film, and Best Supporting Actor. Uh, That was for Alex Guinness. Guinness, Guinness. And additionally, uh, Ben Burt won a well-deserved special achievement for Sound Effects Editing Award at that year's ceremony. And I don't know if you guys know this, but this film also spawned a franchise. It became very popular and had several additional (laughs) chapters in it. I think uh, we should just say a few words about our guest today. Uh, Alex, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, My name is Alex Robinson. I am the co-host of the podcast called Star Wars Minute. Star Wars Minute. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) It's a daily podcast in which we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate Return of the Jedi one exciting minute at a time. Uh, yeah, so that's we basically spend twenty minutes a day talking about a single minute of a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Which, if this kind of thing you, if that sounds intriguing to you, you'll probably like the show. If that sounds insane to you, then you know you probably you still might like the show. <laughs> and you guys, I, oh, I, I started say, listening. Go ahead, and you go ahead. I was going to say you've done all of uh, Star Wars: A New Hope and all of Empire Strikes Back, and you're currently in the midst of Return of the Jedi, correct? Yes, and we did the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, that's right. But not minute by minute for that one. <laughs> no, no, not minute by minute. <laughs> and uh, I think you can still find all of those in the feed for if you subscribe through iTunes. I think you can find all of those back episodes. Yeah, on our website as well, StarWarsMinute.com. Every episode's there. Enjoy. 
Every once in a while, I come across uh, a creative project that just sort of blows my mind. <laughs> um, like uh, when I discovered the the D and D, the Pathfinder like manual, I just was I was just totally floored. Like how how does anybody even think of doing this and then have sort of the stick to itiveness to <laughs> to like go, <laughs> go through it? And that's kind of the thought that I had with Star Wars Minute. I thought, how is it even possible? that you could do uh, a show about like a minute at a time about Star Wars and you've done it. And um, I've, I've listened to the first like maybe 25 minutes of new hope mm. and I just think it's totally awesome. So congratulations. Cool. What a cool, what a cool podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Should I say, <laughs> should I talk more about it or, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the perfect film because it was like, not only is the film itself interesting, but then there's all this elaborate, expanded universe nonsense which has been piled on top of it for all these years so uh so there's really a lot to you know other movies that people suggest would make good minute movies like jaws for instance jaws is an exciting movie but there's not like an elaborate backstory yeah. about quint and and you know the whole backstory of amity island and stuff to dig into so uh, star wars really is a great balance of having you know enough familiar stuff and enough craziness to make it interesting and enough well, I think uh, behind totally the scenes awesome. also gets brought in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this it works on three levels. You got the making of the movie, you have the reality of the movie, you know, within itself, and then you also have the expanded universe. So rich. God. It's a rich tapestry. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, let's uh, talk about um, how we came to the work. So Alex, how did you come come to Star Wars? How did you come to know about Star Wars? Um, I was six and a half years old, I guess, um, almost seven when my dad took me to see it when it was originally running in 1970. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so the, I think the moment I first saw it, I was totally, uh, hooked on it and, uh, yeah. And, uh, here I am, you know, the, it waxed and waned over the years, you know, the nineties was kind of a low, kind of a, um, I guess the late 80s through the early 90s was kind of a fallow period for Star Wars, and no one was really into it then, or only a few hardcore people. But uh, you know, once the special editions came out, I was back back on the back on the needle. Cool. How about you, Joseph? Um, I can't remember not having Star Wars around, particularly the toys. My older uh, my older brother, my oldest brother, had received many of the toys as gifts, and. Um, that's what I remember playing with more because, uh, as a child of the eighties, it, I, I can't remember when the first VHS came into the house, um, of it. And, but once we had the copy, I, I watched it plenty of times. Um, but I think my first awareness of it was actually like playing, you know, lightsabers and playing with the action figures and that sort of thing. Uh, I, um, as I was, uh, as I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking, when was the first time that I saw Star Wars? And I went, <laughs> do you remember the first time that I saw Star Wars? And they all kind of looked at me like I was crazy, but um, <laughs> but the truth is that I have no mem- I have no memory of my life before Star Wars. Like I really, um, I really don't. Uh, I do remember, um, and my brother con- confirmed this. I thought that maybe it was like a fabricated memory, but my older brother confirmed it. So my dad, I'm sure that this was my dad's doing. I, I, I can never imagine my mother. <laughs> but uh, but they sat us down when when I was tiny. And we watched every weekend. We would go through. So we did like uh, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and then we did uh, Star Trek at uh, one, two, three, four, <laughs> like all the way through. And uh, and we did the Superman movies that were around then. So kudos to my dad for being a total nerd and making sure that his making sure that his boys grew up. Uh, with the right culture, <laughs> the right culture, right? But um, but Star Wars just is forms this like pervasive kind of backdrop to my childhood, and um, I have never been really into Star Wars culture. Like I never read. I, I haven't done any of the expanded universe stuff. We had some of the action figures when I was a kid, but it was never like a point of obsession for me. It was just always there, mm-hmm. and so so anyway, that's me. All right. 
Well, just in case any of our listeners are unfamiliar, here's a short spoiler-free version. Uh, there's an empire that's bad, and there's a rebellion that's good, and there's some pseudo-mystical force Jedi people that are trying to stop it. So there's your, your short for, spoiler. I don't know how to do this one. Like, it's so permeates our culture. <laughs> I don't know how to do a uh, spoiler-free synopsis of it. If you um, have not seen, it should be something like, if you have not seen Star Wars, then... Go watch Star Wars. Yeah, go fix your life and <laughs> <laughs> and, and appreciate did, uh, the conversation that uh, so many other people are having. Uh, recently, my co-host Pete the Retailer and I were interviewed by a woman who's doing a project. She has never seen Star Wars. And she, so she's doing a blog about her experience about seeing Star Wars for the first time. Oh, well, there we go. There are. How... Wow. Okay. Talk about another another project that just is sort of. <laughs> She's like our evil opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, if uh, if Star Wars sounds interesting to you and you have not seen it, then you should stop this podcast. Um, go click on a link in our show notes. You could buy it on Amazon. You could uh, um, go to any of your neighbors. I'm sure that they own it and borrow it from them. Uh, but you need to watch this film. Don't let yourself die before watching Star Wars. Um, or as my daughter calls it, Star Wars. Uh, and I will humbly disagree. I think if you have not seen Star Wars, you should be you should re- preserve that uniqueness about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like everyone's seen it, so you, you know by definition you have a good story to, or at least you know you'll have a lot of nerds yelling at you. If, <laughs> I guess it's a pretend you saw. Star you can Wars, always do. Don't those, actually see it. Yeah, one of those party questions of two truths and a lie. I've never seen Star Wars, and no one will believe that one. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Like a, I've never seen an episode of Law and Order, so and I'm going to go to my grave never having seen one, <laughs> just to preserve that record. So, I have a colleague in the English department here at uh, Southern Utah University, and he has never seen or he's never read Harry Potter, and his students are like just in, incensed that he hasn't, and and so he and now he like consistently won't. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, should we jump into a quick uh, plot summary here? Yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, this film starts with uh, uh, the famous um, John Williams uh, score and the crawl that talks about uh, that there's a bad empire and there are good rebels and um, and then we see a huge uh, spaceship chasing a smaller spaceship and the little spaceship gets sucked up into the big spaceship and uh, there's a little battle and then um, there's a lady and her name is Princess Leia. We'll be talking a lot about her. Uh, she gets captured by these uh, stormtroopers, and then she gives some lip to Darth Vader. Um, and then we have the, a couple of uh, android or uh, robots, droids, uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO. And they launch out of the uh, said spaceship in, onto a big desert planet called Tatooine. And uh, R2 has a, mes- a mission. He's trying to find a guy named Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, to give him a message, they find their way to. Uh, they get they get uh, they get captured by these little Jawas and their little aliens, and they suck them up into like a big garbage truck machine thing. Sand Rover, <laughs> I believe. Sand crawler. Sand, Sand, crawler. Sand, crawler. Sand crawler. Oh, I apologize. Oh, I just lost a nerd points. It's been fun, you guys. Uh, I gotta get going. <laughs> so that's why you're here, Alex. <laughs> So uh, they get sucked into the sand crawler. I, it's even written down on my thing. Uh, and then um, they get sold to a guy named uh, Owen, and he has Luke. 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 He has a nephew whose name is Luke, and he's Luke Skywalker. And he's very frustrated because he wants to go to the academy with his friends, but he has to stay on this island and harvest moisture. Is that right? Yeah. Did you say he stayed on an island? On a planet. Desert. Pla- desert planet. <laughs> Not a desert island. <laughs> desert planet. It's like pretty easy to harvest it on a desert island. <laughs> yeah. Moisture is He's harvesting prevalent. moisture on a desert planet. <laughs> and uh, so he's sad. Um, and R2-D2 escapes and finds Obi-Wan Kenobi. And uh, he receives a message, a hologram message from Princess Leia that says, Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. So Obi-Wan tells Luke that he needs to train to be a Jedi like his father was and learn the ways of the Force. And Luke says, I can't do that. I have to stay here and harvest moisture. Uh, and then he runs. Uh, they, they're headed back home. They find the sand crawler. It's been uh, destroyed and the, all of the little Jawas massacred. And, uh, and so he runs back home. 
uh, worried about his uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, and sure enough, they have also been uh, killed, and so they decide to set off on this adventure. They go to Moss Eisley, which is a spaceport. They go in a crazy cantina um, where they meet Han Solo and the Wookiee Chewbacca. They hire Han Solo to take them to a planet called Alderaan, which is uh, where Princess Leia tells them that they need to go. Um, they narrowly escape Mos Eisley. Um, they warp uh, to I'm Alderaan. Sorry, I'm sorry, it's not warp in Star Wars. It is lightspeed. I'm sorry, they go on lightspeed. <laughs> Across the uh, universes. I know, I know. And uh, when they get there, the planet has been destroyed. And uh, then there is what they think is a moon. It turns out not to be a moon, but the Death Star, which is a giant uh, space station that has the potential to destroy planets. Um, and that planet has been destroyed. In the meantime, Leia has been interrogated. They tried a truth serum on her, some kind of truth serum. It uh, apparently didn't work. Um, they threatened to destroy her planet. And so she tells them, uh, she gives them a, a, some bad information to throw them off the scent of the Alliance, the Rebels. Uh, but uh, they blow up her planet anyway. She's very sad about that. Not really. <laughs> Yeah. Just, uh, not a lot of grief on display. One can imagine that she would be. Let's see more lip from Leia. Just going through my notes here. She gives a lot of lip. She's very, uh, she's very uh, sarcastic and spunky. I guess um, they decide that they're going to terminate her. Um, then immediately, uh, immediately yes. Uh, so, uh, so Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi and the two droids are with Han and, um, Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon, Falcon, and, uh, they get sucked into the Death Star. And, uh, when they get in there, they hide, and then they are able to get into the Stormtrooper suits, and they go and they rescue Princess Leia, and then they end up in a garbage dump. And then uh, Luke almost gets uh, gets uh, drowned by a crazy one-eyed garbage monster. Dianoga. Thank you. Yep. Uh, they escape. They go find the rebels again. Uh, well, Obi Wan Kenobi gets killed. That's like- Obi Wan Kenobi gets killed in a uh, in a lightsaber battle with Darth Vader. Uh, they narrowly escape. Uh, they get together with the other rebels. Now they have the plans to the Death Star, and then the the film uh, almost ends with this great uh, space battle where the the rebels are trying to um, they're trying to shoot what photon torpedoes into uh, the Death Star to blow it up. And uh, Luke finally does. He wins the day uh, because Han Solo has found his soul. And decides to come back and save him at the last minute. And then, so then they're all saved. And then Wise Leia gives them uh, a little kiss on the cheek and a special medal. And then it ends. And that's Star Wars. How's that? Well, I think you hit all the key points there. <laughs> what was the middle part again? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have lots of time to talk about details, but that's like uh, kind of the gist, yeah? Yeah. I think we've I, again most people are probably familiar I, I think it's safe to say if they've listened this far all right so we want to focus the discussion a bit on uh princess leia she is interesting to me because she kind of starts this whole uh ball rolling she is the one with the secret plans to the death star that she's trying to get to the rebellion and if you follow the story it kind of goes from from leia to the droids then the droids go to find Luke. Then they find Obi-Wan. Then Obi-Wan helps them to find Han Solo. Like the whole gang kind of, you know, you introduced one and they get you to the next one. And Leia's the kind of the starting point because she has these secret plans. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, That's about it. Yep. Uh, but uh, our first introduction to her, um, we've heard her called the princess. Uh, I think C-3PO says something like that. Oh, the princess won't escape this time. And you don't know quite what to expect. And we see her putting something in R2-D2, but then we get a shot of her holding a gun and shooting down a stormtrooper. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's a not your typical princess introduction. So I was watching, I watched today on um, just IMDb the trailer. It looks to be some sort of original trailer for Star Wars. And um, as you may or may not have noticed, uh, I do, I'm not uh, up to date on all of my Star Wars trivia. Uh, but it was like, 
uh, if you want to see these these guys save this princess, you should watch this movie. And it's totally misleading as to the role of what uh, as to Leia's role in the film. Um, but she is not like a damsel in, dis- in distress. It's like, oh, please come and help me. Even the message, like Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And if you oh, if that was all you knew about this film, you would be totally misled as to her and her character and uh, her level of agency in the film. So. But yeah, I love this start with her shooting down a stormtrooper, and then giving gi- giving some like serious lip to uh, Darth Vader, who is a pretty terrifying guy. <laughs> so I guess Alex, uh, what were you, uh, I mean, like you've said, you, it's hard to to know what your first impression was of anything of Star Wars. But when you think about Princess Leia, what uh, kind of character comes to mind for you? Uh, well, like you said, I guess sassy. Sassy is the first thing I think of. Um. Although it's it's interesting because I know uh, I I agree w- with what you said, but I also feel like I feel like to a certain extent her uh, she's not Ripley from you yeah. know Aliens, right? She's not that level. <laughs> she's not Zena, so, Warrior Princess. Or That's yeah, true. In the, in, in the context of a seventies, you know action movie for kids, she, it, she and like you said, for a princess. You know, very like, oh my gosh, she's really you know l- l- bad. You know, uh, talking back, sassing back to the uh, to the main bad guy, and doesn't really show a lot of fear or anything very much. So, well, yeah, and that's definitely you know probably even more so than a lot of you know the the female roles in movies today. You know, a bit more uh, edgy, but uh, I think that edginess has since been she's been kind of like her. The children of Leia, like Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica, are much more like what we even think. If we saw Princess Leia now, we wouldn't necessarily think she was a that of much of a tough cookie. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's so, also uh, interesting. I mean, we're we're focusing on New Hope, but if you follow her through the three stories, I know everyone complains about Han Solo becoming domesticated in Return of the Jedi, uh, but she kind of does too. <laughs> uh, in Return of the Jedi, her her role kind of diminishes uh, from what we see of her in uh, in A New Hope. And I know a lot of the discussion really focuses on Han Solo being disappointing in Return of the Jedi, but it's not just the uh, you know the slave Leia bikini outfit, which is you know takes it into a different kind of objectification area that a lot of people were happy not to have seen in the previous films. It's also like all of, on all of Endor, she's uh, she she just kind of feels uh, secondary, I guess, in a lot of ways. Whereas in this, um, you know, during the rescue, she's she's giving orders to everyone. She she's a really prominent figure. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean. Uh... Leia and Hansel are both kind of sidelined. I guess the, their story was much more interesting in, you know, the whole they won't they thing has been kind of resolved. Return of the Jedi. It starts off with them in love and ends more or less the same way. So it's not like they have even within that movie have any, their relationship doesn't change. Nothing really about them changes. And, you know, Princess Leia doesn't even get to lecture the, doesn't even get to give an inspiring speech to the troops or, you know, Admiral Akbar and, general nadine gets to do that so you're right she's definitely sidelined at this one compared to other any of the previous movies i think even as much as i mean more than more than her being like oh she's super tough and she's like you know blasting all this all the stormtroopers away there's just something about like her level of confidence uh in standing up to vader even even in this just initial scene that's like wow that's I mean, he, Darth Vader is a pretty terrifying guy. I mean, there's a reason why he's one of the most uh, beloved uh, villains, um, and and there's something about him that just is dark and sinister and scary. Um, and all the people that even the people that work with him are like pretty, uh, pretty worried. Except the one guy who makes fun of the the the, the, the force religion. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but she just there just seems to be kind of a a level of confidence about her that I I really liked. Yeah, and I think it even goes into uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, where I mean the relationship of who's in charge between Darth Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin is always a little weird in that film. So <laughs> even if you say maybe he Grand Moff Tarkin is above Vader, she gives as much lip, if not more, <laughs> you know, making fun of his smell uh, yeah. when she sees him. So she's not cowed by by anyone uh, in the Imperial uh, Navy, I guess, or in the empire. Let's just say that instead of dividing it. Yeah. Plus, plus she became a Senator when she's like 20 years old. Yeah. 
So here's a, here's my other like just little piece of trivia. I don't know. I don't know where I, I probably should have said this earlier, but um, my mom is from California, and she went to uh, high school with Carrie Fisher. So there, there's that. Yeah. Okay. She wow. was in a grade. She was in a grade younger, and my uncle, her brother, was in the same grade as Carrie Fisher. So. Oh, there we anyway. go. Little, little bit of stuff, so. did, did you show up to the uh, class reunion? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't talked to my uncle. I'm gonna talk to him this weekend. I should have. I should have asked him that. But, um, but yeah. So, so there's um, a couple. I mean, I, I guess uh, after that initial scene where she stands with Darth Vader, she a lot of the story switches to the droids and then to to Luke and his sad home life. <laughs> Um, on the Lars homestead, uh, but we we still get intercut a couple scenes um, with with Leia, and one is the torture droid, droid scene. Which, um, what do you guys think of this torture droid? Oh, it totally uh, creeps me out. I, it's so weird. Um, I mean, it, it's got this focus on the hypodermic needle, and I don't know if this is just like this is supposed to be marketed to some degree to kids. And what's the scariest thing in the world to kids? Going to the doctor and getting a shot. <laughs> so this zooms in on this this needle that even has like the measurements still on the side like they didn't even sci-fi it up it's just a big needle like you'd see yeah. at the doctor's office um and that, that you do see her look a little scared there and that's it's totally scene. terrifying to me i i don't know i wouldn't call it terrifying for me what about you alex uh well it's funny because the i didn't necessarily find well maybe i did when i was a kid i must have found that droid kind of disturbing i was more I remember just being freaked out also the way that scene ends, which is like that the door slamming and the camera takes like a weird spin and you're following the death squad uh, commander walking right. out. And so they leave a lot more to the imagination because I guess it would be kind of anticlimactic to see that droid just go up to her and inject a needle into her. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> they could have had a guy do that. They didn't need a droid to uh, inject her with a needle. But, uh, yeah, I guess there's the, the ambiguity. Yeah. yeah. And it's also weird because we don't really know what that – like is it we don't see those droids ever again or see them in any other context so it's like the only time they show up is this one weird you know they torture hand solo in the second movie but they don't use the floating droid so do you know if there's any expanded universe about the stuff about the the floating droid with the needle uh they come from a race of bounty hunters <laughs> that's a every star wars character in the universe is a bounty hunter uh, but, <laughs> no, the, I don't actually know too much about those. Like, they must have a name or something, but uh, weird. I don't know. Maybe the droid, like uh, you know, it gains AI sentience and it becomes a bounty hunter as well. Uh, after like, this, yes, like IG. Yes, <laughs> I always. No I don't reason, know. Maybe it, chooses, maybe it chooses a life of like humanitarian service, and it just goes to planets and like inoculates people against terrible diseases or something. Yeah, That's how droids are the porters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but when I was a kid, I always imagined, uh, and like you said, the the door shuts, so you don't actually see what happens. But for some reason, I always envisioned that the droid was giving the shot into her lip. I don't know why. Uh, what? Just, I, I, I don't know why. The, the needle went into her lip. And, like, like Botox? Yeah. <laughs> just like Botox. That's what I was thinking as a child when I was watching. You know, like, hold the lip steady? Uh, no, in my head, it was just she, she held herself steady. I don't know if she was willing to be tortured, I guess. <laughs> she thought it would get messier if she fought back. Uh, that's what I envisioned when the door closed, was the needle going into her lip. Okay. I, I have, all right, our producer, Andrew, has some information right here on the on the torture droid, I think. I was just looking up on Wikipedia as we speak. <laughs> yes, I, I, I got it going. The IT-O, or I-T-O, interrogator, uh, also known as the torture droid. And does it... That's, that's what it's ITO, um, designed by the Imperial Security Bureau. That sounds like a terrifying <laughs> branch. And uh, carefully controlled by the ISB. Okay. Uh, it doesn't say anything about uh, injecting into lips. <laughs> no, it says it's sort of unusual. It Only a few models found their way into the hands of senior moths in the military. <laughs> so, so it's kind of... It, Grand Moff Tarkin had some connections to get this torture droid on board, I guess. Wow. What was the name of the, the bureau again? The Security Bureau? Uh, Imperial Security Bureau. The ITO interrogation droid. I would hate to be get a message and tell me that I was being summoned to go meet with the Imperial Security Bureau. That would just... That's a, that's a bad bad title for an organization. Well, Probably with your be- imagination... <laughs> holy cow. Now I'm, I'm never going to be able to watch this film without thinking that that thing's going to stick in the lid. <laughs> 
the other scene that we get with Princess Leia is uh, the one that I mentioned with Grand Moff Tarkin, who I've learned that his his first name. Do any of you know his first name? I do. It is Grand. what his first name is, Alex. Uh, Will Huff. Will Huff Tarkin. <laughs> yes. Will uh, Huff. <laughs> and I have to say, uh, I love the scene. I, I don't remember if I really cared so much about Grand Moff Tarkin, but now I really love watching Peter Cushing. Uh, perform. I think he has some of my favorite line readings in in all of Star Wars. Um, when yeah, he... when I was a kid, I hated Tarkin, but now I now I love watching. I love all the characters that I hated as a kid because they were boring and dry and British. Are the characters <laughs> that I now adore, um... even in the prequels. Count Dooku, by far the best thing in the prequels. <laughs> yeah, so he he brings Leia in to uh, try and coerce her because this torture droid didn't get them any information. They're trying to find out where the rebel base is, and they say, you know what, we can blow up planets with this with this Death Star and. Uh, we'll blow up Alderaan, your home planet, if, if you don't tell us. And, you know, she she sa- she begs for mercy, says Alderaan has no weapons. And I think this might be my favorite line reading is when he says, if you would prefer another target, a military target, then name the system. Uh, <laughs> just the way he delivers that line elevates uh, the, the George Lucas dialogue in a way that a lot of other actors seem to struggle with. <laughs> Uh, yeah, those Brits are those Brits are good at handling that kind of cornball, <laughs> you know, purple dialogue. And I guess... Um, I also, since we're talking about Tarkin, maybe I should say it, a lot of names in Star Wars get pronounced differently, and he, like, he trills the R in Alderaan a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if this is just that they're all from different systems, and there's regional dialects that are going on, and that's why some people say Han and others say Han, and the Millennium Falcon or or Falcon. You know, the, there's all sorts that that come up, and I'm just gonna. My theory is that it's just dialects, depending on what region of the uh, the galaxy you grew up in. You're going to have a little accent. <laughs> That's how I, I believe it. Yeah. Is it, oh, like, someone even says Chewbacca at one point instead of Chewbacca. So. Alec uh, Guinness, I think, says Chewbacca. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And, and, uh, isn't that how we're introduced to him, actually? Yeah. No. He, he says Chewbacca here is a co-pilot uh, or something like that. First mate. <laughs> First mate. There we go. <laughs> Um, and this is, uh, another scene where we get some interesting information about Leia, where it seems, uh, and the audience can certainly believe that she gives in and she names not Tatooine, but Dantooine is where the rebel base is. Um, and then of course, uh, because they're evil, they blow up her planet anyway. And I remember when I was a kid, I was more, I felt more betrayed, not that they blew up an entire planet of sentient beings, but that Grand Moff Tarkin lied to her. Like to me, that was what made him a bad guy. (laughs) was that he made this deal with her and I thought she'd kept up her end of the deal and he broke the bargain. And to me, that's like, Oh, this, these guys are awful. He's a villain. <laughs> um, and so what do you guys think about this, this moment with Leia and, uh, I guess the choice she makes where I, she's, she's giving an old rebel base. We find out shortly that she doesn't, uh, Dan, Dan Tween was, uh, a previous post that the rebels were using and it's abandoned. Uh, but she's kind of giving bad information in the face of her planet being destroyed. And so she's kind of gambling with their lives. So what do you guys make of that with Princess Leia? Do we know hmm, if, do we know if Leia knows? Well, this was the first demonstration. But they told her, like, if you tell us where it is, then we're just going to blow up the planet. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't think that there's any way for her to know that that is even on the table, right? So when uh, she says when she says Dantooine, it's Dantooine. Is she assuming that they're going to go blow up Dantooine instead of Alderaan? I mean, that's the deal that Tarkin was saying. If you want another system where we're going to demonstrate our power, yeah, he does say like, I mean, I'm just I'm looking at the screenplay right here to see how that conversation happens. But you, you don't have it pre-recorded in your head, Todd, just playing. No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I've already called uh, <laughs> Tatooine an island. So. <laughs> So, so are you basically questioning her ethics and that she basically? I mean, I, let's I, say her let's say her plan had worked, and she says Dantooine. They're on Dantooine, and then he's like, "All right, set course for Dantooine," and then they would go to Dantooine, and it would be blown up, and this would be on Princess Leia's. Well, know, I guess this would be on her. This is her. Her, um, you know. I mean, I think she's absolutely in a no-win scenario. Uh, right. for this, but uh, my question is, if they'd gone and found that Dantooine, like, okay, we're going to leave Alderaan alone, and we'll go to Dantooine, and then they find out that Dantooine is an abandoned rebel base, would they go back and blow up Alderaan again? I mean, for the first time in this instance. He does <laughs> tell her. He does tell her. <laughs> <laughs> he does tell her, uh, you have determined the choice of the planet that will be destroyed first, 
since you're reluctant to provide us the location of the rebel base, I've chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderaan. So she no. knows. Yeah, no, Alderaan <laughs> is peaceful. We have no weapons. So, and then that, and then that great line: If you'd prefer another target, a military target, then name the system. So, I mean, she's in an impossible situation, regardless. Yeah, but. Um, well, maybe she I mean, just I, thinks that in the time it's going to take them to search Dantooine, something else. She's at least buying some time. Right. I, I guess yeah. that's probably the best reading of it, is that she knows the record... So the droid is out there. She knows they don't have the droid. Uh, and so she's hoping that it, by stalling, she's just stalling for everyone, the Rebellion yeah. and for Alderaan, that they will hopefully be able to, to find a way to, to stop the Death Star. And I guess yeah. since she has the plans, she must know that Death Star is capable of, of destroying the planet. That's why they went after these plans in the first place. Right. Do, do, we, do you have the sense that she's analyzed those plans? I mean, well, because later on, she's, don't they she's say, trying to get oh, to, I only hope that we can find a weakness. Yeah, because she's trying to get her to, yeah. to her dad to analyze them. Her adopted dad. Everyone, spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe, I guess you guys on, uh, on Star Wars Minute, you're throwing out the theory that she's not really Luke's sister, right? <laughs> Yes, that is a current theory because uh, there's zero evidence for it. And at one point, uh, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, we hid your twin sister away. And then he just goes, Leia's my sister. And Obi-Wan just kind of like rolls with it. He's like, oh, yes, yes, Leia's your sure, sister. Sure, whatever gets they're us like, going. Yeah, they're like, whatever, you know, Obi-Wan, notorious liar already. Uh, you know, so I'm sure we wanted had no problem sending Luke off on a wild goose chase. And plus, you know, it would get Luke to focus on his studies and not so much kissing before he swings across bridges and whatnot. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, Luke says Leia because, I mean, she's the Smurfette in this village of men that is the Star Wars universe. She's the only yeah. female that he could possibly name other than Mon Mothma. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aunt Peru, already dead, and you have Torin Far, the Ion Cannon Control Secretary. Uh, she's the only other one. Yeah, so he just goes with the only female he knows, and Obi-Wan just runs with it. And uh, I think you guys have said that in earlier drafts of Return of the Jedi, she was not going to be the sister, right? There was going to be another character introduced. Uh, Well, Gary Kurtz, the producer for Star Wars and Empire, has said that George Lucas never mentioned anything about them being brother and sister, and that that was kind of something kind of hastily put together for Return of the Jedi. Lucas argues that he had planned from the whole time, but... Well, that's a little uncomfortable. He was planning it the whole time with what <laughs> the, the romantic triangle that's being built in Star Wars and and yeah. Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> sort of Arrested Development vibe. Too. Yes. Which also, if if Obi Wan knew this whole time as a Force ghost, he really should have said something to Luke in Empire Strikes Back. Like when he's on Hoth, he's like, "Go visit Yoda and stop hitting on Leia." Just. <laughs> It's unclear uh, how far Obi Wan like how is Obi can Obi Wan just basically spy on Luke all the time? Yeah, it's not really <laughs> that. Yeah, I, don't know. I hope not. Would, yeah, for Luke's sake, I hope not. Yeah, or yeah, or if doing? he really is, he really should have popped in in that scene in uh, Empire Strikes Back when they when they have their most passionate of their kisses. Like he gets a couple pecks on the cheek, right. you know. Yeah, but then there's well, the... we don't know. You know, it's a different society, man. Maybe they have different, different rules in space. Yeah, but just imagine that kiss happens, and then all of a sudden you hear Alec Guinness's voice, Luke, we need to have a talk. <laughs> Once you become a man, you love every Jedi, you will marry your sister. Keep the bloodline pure. Holy cow. Okay, we've totally gone off the rails. All right, so... Uh, but I do think this right. is a good scene. I think Carrie Fisher does a good job acting it, despite her... her, uh, her you know, uh, sometimes wobbly accent in the scene, particularly. And of course, Tarkin home run. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. He didn't get off, off of the death star. So I, w- I would have liked to see more of him. Yeah. I wonder who they'll get for episode seven, which old British actor will they get to? <laughs> they're, they're, just scan- the they're, they're scanning Harry Potter films now. Just trying to pick one. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah. They got to, uh, they got, they used everybody. So I've, I've John got a Cleese. Yeah. John Cleese would be a good, Good bad guy. Oh, got... he would be. Wasn't he sort of imitated for the uh, for the Clone Wars cartoons? Did it? Oh, that's true. It... That one guy did seem very. He, he uh... seems just like John Cleese. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, I, I don't. He's just like the right hand man for all the Jedi generals. So here's a bit of trivia that my co-host Pete the Retailer pointed out. That general is present in the scene where Vader chokes Admiral Mahdi. One of those guys. 
is supposed to be the the general who you see all through the Clone Wars. Wow, I had no idea. That who's just who's all... Dave What a grand plan, the tapestry that was being planned from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, uh... George Lucas is a, a total mastermind. But before you leave the Alderaan scene, I want to ask you guys, how do you take her reaction to her entire planet being exploded before her eyes? Like, doesn't she turn away and then look back and that's it? Well, it's, I think the scene cuts pretty quick after that, right? I don't think we're given a whole lot of her, her reaction. Obviously, she's distraught right then. We just don't see a whole lot of grief from here on out uh, for someone who's had yeah. that. And, I mean, we see... I, it's kind of similar. Luke, uh, you know, the people who raised him, he sees their, their burned corpses on the screen in a way that's pretty vivid. I remember that a lot from when I was a kid, those those uh, skeletons roasting in the desert. And uh, he never really talks about them. He does get a little... He needs to be comforted when the old man who's he, who he's known for about 20 minutes of screen time dies. That that shakes him up for a little bit. Uh, and it's actually Princess Leia who comforts him, which... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's always a little odd. Like, oh, yeah, I understand how sad you are. My whole planet was just destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> but she's putting a blanket over Luke's shoulders in that scene. Well, you know, they were young. Maybe they maybe they were kind of like, yeah, that's good. No, get rid of, I don't have to go back to my hometown. And, <laughs> For so, either of them. You know, yeah, done. Getting into arguments with my parents about stuff. Now we're both kind of like, oh, well, now we're now we're Footloose and family. Maybe they were kind of like, eh, mixed, mixed feelings. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were, they were yeah. lo- like they were from small hometowns. They were looking to get to the big city and, and you know, form a new identity. Yeah, I mean, certainly what we see of, of Uncle Owen, he was no prize. I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like he was this kindly benefactor. You know, I guess ultimately he had Luke's best intention, best, uh, you know, he was looking out for Luke by not wanting to get involved with all that uh, crazy old wizard. So, uh, <laughs> got his hand cut off. Owen was right. Yes. Definite, yeah. definite consequences came from from going out there. But yeah, it is, uh, I mean, just one of the general discussion about Princess Leia, and, and I think all of Star Wars is, is grief is, you know, not a huge factor in their lives, it seems. There's not a lot of mourning on display. No. Well, emotions in general aren't big Star Wars things, you know what I mean? Like, even love, Han and Leia falling in love is like the way, like, a 11-year-old, you know, like, they <laughs> yeah. kissed once, yeah. and then they're holding hands, and then they love each other. Like, it's not very, it's not an adult universe, you know, people don't... People don't really feel those all terrible scenes where, like, Luke finds out Darth Vader's fa- his father. That's actually an emotional reaction. But when Luke tells Leah about it, she's like, "Oh my god, that's gross." You know what I mean? Like, doesn't <laughs> like, she just say, kind of say, "I've always known." Like, really? You were onto that? <laughs> yeah. So the, when they they work best when they kind of avoid those kind of like like you know emotion driven topics. You know, stick with stick with the mystical stuff and the and the robots. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Kind of our next uh, Leia scene, I believe, is when uh, Luke and uh, Han and Chewbacca have their brilliant rescue plan playing out. Mm-hmm. And first uh, in a number of great rescue plans <laughs> by the rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the general plan seems to be we're just going to keep throwing people in there, and eventually mm-hmm. you will 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 have numbers on the captors. <laughs> seems to be right. the general plan. And hey, we'll, it always worked. <laughs> we'll take them out from the inside. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so Luke runs in and he says, "I'm here to rescue you." And she doesn't uh, she doesn't immediately react. She just kind of gives him a look, and then he says, I, yeah, "I'm here with Obi Wan Kenobi. I've got your droids." And that's when like she, she believes, uh, you know, that okay, this is this is real. We, again, we get the sassiness from her, right? Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? And before with Tarkin, she says, um, uh, "I recognize your foul stench." When yeah, I I recognize, and, and holding Vader's leash, and <laughs> this is like. Yeah, uh, Han gets a lot of. She always with uh, with uh, sass, right? In this one, not always in the later ones. <laughs> and, and again, Han kind of gets the reputation for being the you know the rogue smart aleck uh, in the group, but she definitely is as sarcastic as Han is in this one. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was destiny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, neither of them is meant to hang out too much with Luke. He's a little, yeah, a little too uh, naive for them. Uh, but the uh, the plan is going badly once she, she gets brought out of her cell. <laughs> they're they're all pinned down there, and uh, she kind of immediately takes charge. Um, you know, she says, you know, what's the plan? And Han Solo is kind of like, well, he's the brains, and Han Solo is really inconsistent 
this film. I noticed when I was watching it for this discussion, like when they're uh, when they first are uh, looking up the the plans so Obi Wan Kenobi can go shut down the uh, the tractor beam. And Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, you, you know, I, th- I don't think I can use your help. And he's like, fine, I've, you know, I've had enough action. And then, like, 30 seconds later, he's like, anything beats sitting around waiting for him to get back. Uh, and in this, like, during the rescue scene, he's like, this was Luke's idea. He's the brains of this outfit. And then once they're down in the trash compactor, he's like, well, you know, if you'd left it in my hands, everything would have been fine. <laughs> so so Han's bouncing all over the place. But anyway, uh, Leia shoots out the garbage chute. She's like, we got to get out of here. Here's the way. Uh, you know, she takes one of the blasters and, and takes control and, and uh, leads them down into uh, the, the garbage compactor, which, uh, you know, maybe not, <laughs> you know, a better plan than what was going on. But it's kind of like the Alderaan scene. She's in a no-win situation and she has to make a choice and she does make a choice. You know, she figures something out to do to try and stall and gain a little more time. Yeah, that's true. So I guess uh, what one thing that I'm seeing is that uh, she uh, she definitely thinks on her feet. Um, you know she she she's quick to assess the situation, and, and even if she doesn't know how her plan's going to pan out, she she's able to make a choice right there. Yeah, this is the first time we really see her doing like an acting bit. You know what I mean? Like she's up until now she's mostly just been like verbally confrontational, but now she's actually grabbing a gun and grabbing a gun and getting it done. Yes. You know, and, uh, Though she did shoot a stormtrooper at the very first scene uh, on the blockade runner. Yeah, that's true. Uh, But then she gets... Is that the only use of the stun, by the way, in Star Wars, when they stun her? They say, like, set set your guns to stun. As far as I know... And it's a weird blue blue image, you know, a special effect. You think they would use that more frequently, but... uh... (laughs) They don't seem too concerned about uh, maintaining captives, I guess. (laughs) Well, especially since the stormtroopers should have been shooting all of them with stun. You know, they still want the princess alive so they can use her as a... Although I guess she was scheduled to be terminated anyway, so it would they probably just wanted her dead. But, the thing uh, that I, here's the thing that I didn't... Maybe, maybe you two can help me out with this. So when the Jawas are massacred and they, they go to the Sandcrawler... Um, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Luke says, oh, it looks like Sand People did this. And then um, Obi-Wan says, no, 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 this was, this, they, this was made to look like it was Sand People, but it was really... Uh, stormtroopers, because look at how accurately they've um, only imperial they've stormtroopers are so precise. I think are so precise, <laughs> <laughs> and then they are like the worst shots <laughs> in the galaxy. <laughs> like, Except when it's on stun, because they nailed her on the first shot with the stun. Maybe first the stu- shot was stun. But maybe like, the stun casts a wider field uh, than, than the deadly. It's like bolt. a shotgun. Yeah. You get a yeah, you get a spread. I don't know, but <laughs> it's just like they can't hit the broadside of a barn. The obvious answer is that Obi Wan Kenobi again, notorious liar. He he had a motive. He wanted oh, he wanted Luke to come with him to Alderaan, and his family wouldn't let him. So what better way to, than to kill his family, get them out of the way, and then blame it on the Imperials <laughs> to fuel Luke's hatred against the Empire? It's a, it's a, it's a you know the neat. He's like the Kaiser Soze of uh, <laughs> the Star Wars universe. The perfect so, theory. There yeah, is there you go. There is a theory. I've seen on the internet where because they, they plant like a homing beacon on the Falcon, which is how they find out to go to Yavin to blow up the, the rebels. This whole sequence is stormtroopers intentionally missing so that they can get away. Yeah. Ah, I see. (laughs) So instead of setting it to stun, they just keep it on deadly, but miss is the, is the plan. I wonder, how, I wonder if the rebels had figured that out. If they could have been like just standing there, not even shooting back. And like, the stormtroopers are shooting all around them. And they're like, why aren't they running away? <laughs> well, uh, I guess we're we're at the point now. We've got them down in the trash compactor. Uh, the walls start to close in, and we see. I mean, they're all kind of trying to to. You, uh, find some way to wedge it to stop the walls coming in, but finally Luke gets C-3PO back on the comlink, which C-3PO had turned off. I don't know if it was so that... Maybe it was when the stormtroopers were in the room, C-3PO turned that off so they wouldn't hear him talking. I don't know, but it seems like he should have had that on. Uh, but they're able to get R2-D2 to turn off the trash compactors. They get out. Uh, and I I mean, there's just a few action chase sequences happen. I don't know that we get a whole lot about... Oh, there's a little uncomfortable moment where Leia calls Chewbacca a walking carpet. Is that... Is that uh, racist or specious, I guess? Yes. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. definitely. <laughs> uh, and I guess we can also go ahead and jump to the end, because she doesn't give him a medal. But do you think that was Leia's decision? Or is the whole rebellion deciding not to give Chewbacca a medal at the very end racist. of the film? 
Just, racism. just plain racism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, you know, concern about this made me a little bit relieved, though, because uh, after the Tie Fighter fight, when they do get off of the Death Star, she does hug Chewbacca uh, when they when they blow up the Tie Fighters. So there's one in, in her heart of hearts. <laughs> there, there's one moment where at least she's not treating him as as something subhuman. Well, he technically is, so. Well, non-human, non-human, not subhuman. Right. He is also Han Solo's slave. I don't know if people know that. But, yeah, in uh, the uh, expanded universe, right? Yeah. It's Han a... Solo rescued Chewbacca, freed Chewbacca from slavery, and thus Chewbacca owed Han a life debt, which meant basically, you know, a la like the Brady Bunch, Chewbacca becomes Han Solo's personal slave for... I don't know if is there a contract in the life debt, or is that it? Is it for it's the rest just of life. life? It's just life debt. Wow. Yeah. There it is. And is this why Chewbacca's a deadbeat dad? Yes. Well, he wants it. I'm sure he sends money home and stuff. <laughs> when, when they can scrape some together, when they're not dumping their spice at the first sign of imperial trouble. All right. Well, I guess for our listeners who, this may be one that you're unfamiliar with, listeners, there's a holiday special in which they travel back to the Wookiee home planet, which is one of the other ones that where there's multiple pronunciations. Kashyyyk or Kazook, right? Are those the two main ones? <laughs> the only place they say Kazook is on the holiday special. <laughs> but since it was first, that's, canon, <laughs> that's so uh, Again, you have to assume regional variations, but you know they're on they're on Chewie's home planet and call it Kazook. So you figure that's probably how it's really pronounced. <laughs> and there, uh, you meet Chewie's wife and child that uh, never really come up <laughs> in any of the other stories. And father, don't forget his father, Itchy. <laughs> right, and his his son is named Lumpy, right? Mm-hmm. Lumpy, and his <laughs> wife is Ma- Mala? Mala. I think it's Mala. We'll go with oh my that. Gosh. Well, anyway. Uh, yes. So that's Chewie's family back home while Han Solo's dragging him around on adventures. <laughs> All because of a life debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the once they're off, when they're in the Millennium Falcon, uh, there's the, the scene with the, the TIE Fighters and Han and Luke running. Walking over the kiss, are we? Oh, right. The kiss. I forgot about that. That's the uh, over the, the, what's it called? The, uh, the swing over the chasm. The, the chasm. The bottomless pit that seemed there's a lot of bottomless pits in the Death Star. It's Death Trap. Yes. Death Trap is more like it. <laughs> OSHA would not approve of these working environments yeah. on the Death Star. Um yeah, so she she gives him a kiss. Can you imagine trying to be a whistleblower though, really? <laughs> like trying to be the guy on the Death Star that's like, um, excuse me, I don't know if this is being built to code. <laughs> That's when you get a call to the visit the Imperial uh, Security Bureau. Well, Darth Vader does his force thing and breaks your either breaks your neck with his hand or strangles you with the force. So, <laughs> right. I guess it is worth noting, like you said, they uh, as they're trying to get back to the Millennium Falcon after they ex- they escape from the garbage compactor, they get separated. Han and Chewie are running around, getting chased by stormtroopers and. Luke and Leia, and this is, uh, well, I, I was going to say, I was just about to say, this is where you see a burgeoning kind of interest from Luke, but really it's from the first time he saw her holographic image. He's like, You're be- she's beautiful. Who is that? I must know more of this what, what, female creature. <laughs> what, is, what is this? So he, I guess he's always had interest. Uh, but she gives him a kiss, but she's quick to add the caveat that this is just for luck, right? Right. Look at any crazy ideas. Uh, so yeah, they, they get across the chasm, uh, they get back out, and I guess there's, is it before or after the TIE Fighter, uh, it's after the TIE Fighter where Han and Luke have their, their heart-to-heart, right? Yeah. Okay, and so. Leia, Leia and Han, too, also get a bit of, get a bit, lock horns a bit. Yes, but I was gonna say, during the, uh, the TIE Fighter fight, she's kind of calling out directions, uh, and it's not clear if she or Chewbacca are piloting the Millennium Falcon while Han and Luke are shooting. <laughs> Well, I guess Archie D2 might be piling it from back, and maybe he just hooked into the wall in the back of the Millennium Falcon that's taking over. Uh, but she is calling out directions, so she, even though she's not shooting, she kind of has a hand in that. Uh, and then, yeah, we get a few bits of character development where, uh, is this where she tells Han, if money's all you want, that is what you'll you'll receive, mm-hmm. you'll get? That's all you'll get? Yep. Yeah. Uh, He's not in it for her revolution. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we're getting uh, some more info about Han and that Leia really is, um, you know, she she cares about this rebellion. <laughs> cares. And I, I, can't, I can't talk about Star Wars and caring without hearing Luke say, I care. <laughs> uh, and this is where uh, Luke kind of like says, well, what do you think about her? And Han's like, yeah, she's annoying. And then Luke's like, oh, oh, good. I'm glad you think she's annoying. And immediately Han's like, well, <laughs> like, annoying in a cute way, kind of. <laughs> 
It's like, do you ever get the feeling? And this is, uh, I, um, I haven't seen actually, I haven't seen Empire for quite a while, but d- as I'm watching this, I'm trying to imagine. I'm, I'm asking myself in my head: Is this is this a real legitimate triangle? Like, does Luke ever have a shot with Leia? Because it, no. because. No, because she's the brother I mean, sister. The way Todd. that she locks horns, I know, I know. And Lucas knew it from the very beginning. But like the way that she locks horns with Han, they just seem to be playing like on a completely different level, right? Yes. Than than Leia and I mean, there's there's something there's chemistry between Leia and Han, like from the there's something alive yeah. in there, right? There's <laughs> <laughs> something uh, alive. Yeah, in there. I, I agree. I mean, Luke, you know, uh, well, they they kind of. At the towards the beginning of Empire, they do it when Leia but, kisses. But Luke, you almost that's clearly just to make hand jealous. Yeah, I was that's gonna say jealous. it's because Han had just been saying something kind of snarky, and Leia just to make him jealous just kisses Luke right yeah. there, and then yeah. she doesn't even like talk to Luke after the kiss. She looks at Han and leaves the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's just. It, I just. I just get the feeling that he is just on. A, they're on a completely different level, <laughs> and he. I mean, he still. He seems so much younger. And less mature than they are. And she's when she anywhere she is, she's in charge. Whether she's talking to Vader or whether she's talking to Tarkin or with Han, um, she just right. seems to ha- like just exude confidence in a way that Luke uh, never does, but Han does. And so anyway, I love I like I like all their banter as they're kind of running around the Death Star, and um, I, I, I think it's uh, very entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, and I almost wonder how much of that is kind of on set and how much is the original shooting script. Because some of that feels more organic than a lot of the dialogue that gets delivered in this. Um, From what I understand, George Lucas was not a big let's improvise a scene kind of a guy. Okay. So uh, I guess that can just be attributed to their acting. They make it it seem real. Empire, I think, had a bit more playing around because Lucas didn't direct that, of course. So... uh... And uh, Lucas famously did not like the I love you, I know scene. Which is one of the most famous, <laughs> you know, best parts yeah. of Star Wars is the exactly. I know. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. Han Solo, I mean, he's going down into that carbonite pit. And with that line, it's like he's the coolest man in the universe. Something happens when he comes out of the carbonite. <laughs> yeah, he's not, something got left behind in there. <laughs> well, then, they, of course, they mimic that scene in Return of the Jedi where Princess Leia gets to have the last word and be the... Yeah, I love you, I know, routine. Mm-hmm. So uh, she gives as good as she gets. Right. Uh, and so we get to, uh, oh, the other moment that's really interesting is after this TIE fighter fight and Han is kind of swaggering in, uh, Leia's the one that actually knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah. uh, Luke and Han kind of are patting themselves on the back about having mm-hmm. escaped, and she's the one that says, this was way too easy, they're tracking us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yes, she's the only one who knows what goes, what's going on what's going on but she then she's like they're tracking us let's go back to the rebel base like <laughs> they were torturing me to try and find out where it is <laughs> and i don't know if no this one is just... no one seems to make the that next step of be like oh maybe directly back we should switch ships somewhere and so on i mean the only thing it really is is well, we got to get to act three <laughs> you know that's, yeah. yeah we can't have another di- you know uh, tangent yeah you know we right. gotta, yeah. yeah and and the ball is really rolling on the action like uh, act one is really long in star wars and it's uh, I watched it with my six-year-old, and we watched it in installments because it was not holding all of her interest in Act 1. But once we got to Act 2 and Act 3, she would sit for a lot longer uh, sections. So the, the speed and pace of everything picks up. And I, I kind of wish there was an right. in-story reason for the pickup, you know, for why she's just, let's fly back to Yavin 4. Uh, but they end up there, and she doesn't have a whole lot on her plate from here on out. Uh, isn't is it Dodonna in this one that leads the uh, the briefing? Yes, General yeah. Dodonna. So, yeah, Leia's pretty much limited to giving consolation to to whiny Luke, <laughs> who again is is broken up not because his you know his family was killed, but because uh, I thought Han was was yeah. going to come back. You know, I thought he was going to help us out. So disappointing, and and again, uh, my planet was destroyed. But let me comfort you that a man you've known for a day at most probably has has disappointed you. Yeah, exactly. And then we, uh, you know, they succeed, we see some celebration, and then there's the, the famous final ending scene, uh, which I guess we're nearing an hour here, so good point to be reaching, where she provides the, uh, you know, the award, she gives awards to Luke and, and Han, uh, but, but famously not, not to Chewbacca. And this is, I think, the most controversial moment in this first film. <laughs> <laughs> 
from the many nerd discussions I've been a part of, uh, this film gets a lot of love, and uh, a lot of people who complain about Star Wars, they're usually complaining about the prequels, or or the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, or this moment. <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, it's not quite clear, like, shouldn't Leah herself get a medal? I mean, yeah. she did steal the plans and bring them back. And, you know, granted, she got captured in between and didn't actually put the proton torpedo in the Death Star. But, like, as part of the overall mission, she should get something for it. I agree with that. That's that's a valid point. And also, I guess, what is her role in the Rebellion that she's the one giving this award out? Like, what is her status? She is princess. <laughs> she's the princess. What more do you, what more do you need? Come on. <laughs> There's very little said about how the rebellion is organized, so we know very little about it. Uh, We know they start handing out general ships like candy in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Wedge. (laughs) Wedge also probably should have gotten a medal, or because he because his ship got got damaged, he's not. You know, he didn't do the kill shot. Uh, Well, I mean, but Han didn't do the kill shot either. Is it because he was on the Death Star? And if it's because he was on the Death Star, then Leia. Yeah. Oh, man, this metal ceremony is more controversial than I even realized. <laughs> and also, like, why do the droids get to be up there? <laughs> They're so shiny. <laughs> C-3PO is, like, totally incompetent. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, but uh, it would be like, it would be like, yes, I'm accepting an award, and also, here's my iPhone, which I used on the mission. It should, get, it should be present at the ceremony. All right. Uh, uh, okay, okay, forget it. I hate this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we, like I said, I've, I've, uh, I'm going to be dissecting that scene even more than I had been before. Uh, but any uh, final thoughts, I guess, about Princess Leia, uh, particularly in this film? Uh, I like her. I think also uh, we didn't really talk about it, but I think Carrie Fisher is really cute in a not sexy way. You know what I mean? She's like cute without being. You know what I mean? She's like mm-hmm. sister, yeah. sisterly cute. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, and you know, she was a uh, she was a role model for a whole generation of young girls. So, uh, hats off to you, Princess Leia. Yeah, with yeah. your buns. <laughs> I agree. I mean, yeah, we never mentioned the hair until this moment, yeah. but yeah, I'm probably glad. the most famous thing about Princess Leia. Yeah, is, is that? Yeah. I like the uh, the Hoth Leia is my favorite Leia, but. Are you talking uh, outfit wise or yeah, uh, just the look hair. of Princess Leia? Yeah, the, the right. hair and the outfit there, I think, is the best best look that Carrie Fisher was able to have because she was asked to wear some weird outfits in, yeah. in her time on Star Wars. I'm partial to um, medical frigate uh, Princess Leia at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Right, that's my, that's my favorite Leia ensemble. Uh, Todd, your favorite. <laughs> Something you've put uh, a shame. We're talking about what a great hero she is, and all we're ending and talking about her outfits. I know. Well, I think we could definitely do that for uh, for. I mean, Han Solo basically wears the same thing for everything, but Luke yeah. has a few interesting outfits along the way too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I just generally, um, I liked her as a character. I mean, uh, setting aside the kind of lack of uh, really intense emotion about you know things that we would expect her to be more emotional about, I really liked. Um, I liked her pretty much start to finish. Uh, I liked her confidence um, and her leadership. And even uh, in a scene that we didn't talk about, but her help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, thing where she's a hologram. Um, it, there, there's this sort of damsel in distress, distress plea. And then after that, she's like, okay, here's the deal. There's a, there's a rebel alliance and then we've got these plans and he destroyed. And it's like, oh, okay, she's, she's definitely a player. <laughs> And um, and I really like that about her that uh, um, for the most part, yeah, uh, she's she's I think she holds her own well and she's uh, she's a really important part of the story and moves the story along in really in in, in really great ways. Right, so. she, she's not a piece that the men are moving around, which you sometimes see in in some stories for the female yeah. characters. Definitely not. Uh, the case here. And I've shown this to my uh, six-year-old daughter. I, I guess I, got, I showed it to her when she was five, and she loves Princess Leia. Um, and she loves that Princess Leia uses a blaster <laughs> in some of the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, a, I think there's a lot to like, and um, I think there's a lot to also to think about. I mean, we've just chatted about it for an hour, and yeah. uh, I've gained some new insights from the conversation, so I, I think it's worth I showed this with I showed this to my two daughters, so I have a six-year-old and a five-year-old, and my five-year-old kept saying, Dad, Where's Princess Leia? When's Princess Leia going to come back? And my six-year-old kept saying, Darth Vader. <laughs> I want Darth Vader to come back. He's my favorite. <laughs> like, wow, that's a really interesting dynamic for my Keep, keep an eye on that one, Todd. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
I I just want to throw in uh, my two cents here on on Carrie Fisher. Uh, there's a good chance I'll just cut this out, but I I saw her at a convention, and she mm-hmm. kind of embraces the quirkiness that her role in culture has given to her. She brings her dog to the convention, and it sits next to her at everything. She's got like like a like a bulldog, and it's it's big, and its tongue is stuck sticking out. It's like missing a muscle. <laughs> And so it looks ridiculous, but it's there and it's there with her on the couch during, during panels and everything. And she will wipe glitter on everyone that comes to her table. That's her thing. She wants everyone to have a christening of glitter on their forehead. Yeah. Well, when you're a princess, you can, do, kind of a thing. you can do that. All right. Uh, one final thing, Alex, when uh, we have guests, uh, which we've only had one, and I forgot to do this, but I'm going to try and do this whenever we have guests on this podcast. It's the protagonist well, podcast. I'm all girl. <laughs> you're, you're a second guest, but I forgot this moment. Uh, we talk about great characters and great stories, and I would just like to post, uh, and this is off the cuff, you, you're, you know, you're not held to this for the rest of your life, but if the classic dinner party question, if you could have uh, you know, a few characters from anything at a dinner party, who would you want to have with you? Oh my gosh, characters? Yeah, from from any work of fiction. Who would you want to, oh, to meet boy. and chat with? Uh, I wish you told me in advance. I would really thought it out and told me some <laughs> clever ideas. But uh, off the top so of said, my head, I will say, um, let's say Rufus T. Firefly from the Marx Brothers movie Duck Soup. That's one of my favorite <laughs> movies. Well done. I will say that. I, I'm just looking at my DVDs hastily. I'll say um, Dr. Spock from Star Trek. And wow. I will say, I guess I should say a Star Wars character, right? In honor of uh, sure. uh, Liz Levin. <laughs> Those are my three. Those are my three choices. She dresses, uh, she dresses Princess Leia in one episode, didn't she? Oh, there you go. Yes. Yeah. They will all come dressed as their favorite Star Wars character. <laughs> So uh, there you go. It'll be an interesting party. That's awesome. Funny right. anyway. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Alex, one more time. Is there anything that you wanted to uh, to promote, I guess, about any of your, your projects uh, before we sign off here? Well, I guess my website is... Find you. Yeah, my website is comicbookalex.com. There you can find... I'm actually a cartoonist in real life, so but there you can find the information about Star Wars Minute and my comics and my other podcast I do, Alphabetical, about the Beatles. Is that every Beatles song in alphabetical order? It is indeed. Okay. Three epi- we do three episodes a week, every Beatles song from alphabetically from 12 to Y. How many Beatles songs are there? I don't know the answer to this. I couldn't tell you the answer either. Okay, we, also do stuff, we also do like stuff from the anthologies and, you know, uh, every non-live track they officially released, we do so. Okay. Wow. There you go. All right. Well, I guess that about wraps up this episode. Thank you for joining us. And remember, you can subscribe to the Protagonist uh, podcast in iTunes, and we would encourage you to leave a review there. And if you'd like to suggest a character or give us any feedback, you can reach us at uh, feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. And at protagonistpodcast.com, you can find a list of all of our previous episodes and show notes for this episode, and you can find our contact information there as well. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back again next week to talk about another great character and another great story. So long. So long. Star Wars Minute. Star Wars Minute. Oh, I know. <laughs>